everybody and welcome to Tea Time with Jesse, a very special episode of Tea Time with Jesse live from Dongding Mountain in Taiwan. I'm here with Jamie. Hi everyone. And I'm very glad to be able to introduce Jamie because Jamie's family is the tea provider for our Taiwan mystery box. I was just up in the tea mountains with her and went to her uh, workshop with her family. They have a special type of charcoal roasting method that we're going to be talking about. And I'm just very excited to be able to have an actual tea person on the podcast. So welcome. Thank you. So Jamie, tell us real quickly about yourself. How did you get into tea and, and uh, how did you find your way here? Mm -hmm. Hi everyone, I'm Jamie. So my family originally is from Dongding and uh, we just been expanding over Taiwan in different tea regions and now we also grow tea on Chilai Mountain at 2000 meter. Um, do I have to talk about a whole journey? Yeah, it's well, gonna we'll, be long, we'll, we'll cover that later. We'll get into it once we start drinking yeah. the tea, but I just wanted to say <laughs> I, it was an unexpected and very pleasant thing to be able to have a tea person who is actually able to speak English and do a whole podcast interview. So we'll speak English for the interview, but it's been great to be able to go back and forth and to have somebody who has experience um, getting tea culture outside of Taiwan. You've sold to Michelin star restaurants, and um, it's really good to find someone who knows that intercultural aspect. It was more than I expected, and I'm very glad to have you on the show. Thank you so much. So thank you so much. So uh, let's get drinking some tea and talking about your story, and uh, what tea should we drink first? Today, uh, we're gonna start with one of the tea that we're gonna have in the mysterious box yeah. that we're gonna cover. Yeah, so this is really nice. So this is a charcoal roasted, and one of the cool things about these charcoal roasted oolongs that you guys do is that it's a, it's a, um, it's a like, like mm. an old uh, traditional technique that your family is one of the last people doing it, right? Yeah, I would say it's an old artisanal craft, because he, it, it requires so much work and so much time. It's very time consuming. You have to be there the whole day. You have to flip the tea every 20 minutes. Mm. And that truly is very different from the electric roasting tea. Mm. So very cool. So I'm excited to try this. And this is one of four teas that we're gonna be having. This is roasted to a level two out of five, you said, mm -hmm. right? Exactly. So could you explain to people your, your roasting technique and how you do the roasting, what the numbers are? Yeah. So. So um, it will be hard to get a common language among all of the tea consumers and also the tea makers using, oh, this is light, this is heavy. So we sort of just uh, divided tea roasting level into one to five. And each time it's roasted for eight hours as our circle. Um, but if this tea is roasted for five times, it doesn't mean it's roasted for 40 hours straight, nonstop. It means that this tea get roasted once for eight hours and then get some days of resting because all of the Taiwanese oolongs, most of the oolongs are rolled into bowl shape and all of these bowl shaped oolongs, the stem is wrapped inside the leaves. The leaves is the most thinnest part of the, um, of the tea. So when you're roasting tea uh, at the beginning, you're only roasting the surface. So in order for the stem, the stem has the most water. So for the water to come back to the leaves again, for you, for the leaves to be flexible again, for you to work with, um, you have to let it rest for a little bit. It's right. just like everyone needs a break. Everyone needs a break. break. That's um, great. Well, let's let's drink this and, and get going with it. Yes. So very excited. The um, 
The oolong in Taiwan is really one of the things that they're most famous for, and it's what I was really excited about coming here. So when I, when I came, I told everybody I'd be doing a mystery box. I really didn't know what I was going to do, but my hope was that I'd be able to get a couple different styles. And so I've been very happy that we're gonna have four teas in the box, and this is going to be one of them with the tea from Your Guys Mountain, mm -hmm. and then the uh, charcoal roasting method from your family. So very excited. So let's see here, what are you looking for when you are making this tea? What are you doing? So first I will warm up all the tea vessels and then I pop in the leaves. And I'll give it a little shake nice. so you can smell the aroma. This is good. So this is after you've warmed up the lidded cup. Yaoxiang, this Yaoxiang. is to wake up mm. the tea and you can feel the aroma. With and it's got that roasty, roasty aroma flavor, mm. which is very nice. The um, part of our, our uh, choosing of this tea, and I don't know if the video blog has come out by the time this aired, I think it probably will have, but we went through a tasting process where we tasted the leaves unroasted, roasted at level two and roasted at level three. And I think the two was really the, the winner where it's still really easy drinking, but it has that roasty flavor in it. Yeah, exactly. Which one do you personally like I out of the one to five? As I always say, there's no best tea. There's mm. only teas that fits you the best. Mm. Um, I think I also like the second one mm. because I think the third one is for people who are more into more roasted tea and you can feel more roast than the tea. Um, where I think this is a great balance between the tea and the roast. Nice, awesome. So yeah, the um, it really is is a personal choice. I mean, I was talking to one of the uh, shushus up on the mountain that we were talking with this tea farmer who's been doing this for 30 years. And I asked him, you know, what was his favorite tea? And immediately he was like, well, my favorite tea is just gonna be for me. You know, everybody's gonna have their own type of tea to be able to make. And, and it's, it's good to hear even at like the really high levels of people who have been drinking tea over and over every day. Even then they're like, you know, you, you really do have to try it yourself and find what you like. Yeah. So, so when you first got into tea, I guess you would have been very, very young. Like, you know, when were you first drinking tea? I think there's no really like an official date that I came to tea because <laughs> I was born into the family. You're just born and then dunked in the tea. Like, yeah, like in tea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If you cut my hand, it will be bleed, oh, yeah. bleeding with tea. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the tea beginning. family, it's in the blood. It's in the blood. <laughs> so, it's, so, you, so you grew up around the tea mountains, you grew up in the tea mountains. Mm -hmm. And so what was that like? Um, Actually, my direct family, my my mom uh, and my grandparents, uh, the one that are tea uh, making family, that is my grandparents. They grew up making tea in Dongding, and my mm. grandma is the city girl. She, mm -hmm. she did not like the farming life, <laughs> and my grandpa, he is the farming guy. He liked the countryside, nice. and when they got married, uh, they actually got matchmaking. Mm. So oh, they got a matchmaker. They only met each other sort of at an engagement. Oh wow! Oh, so when, they had like an arranged marriage. Yeah, they didn't it was know. very arranged. And my grandma actually—I don't know if I can say this. A lot of tea. There's a lot grandma of tea. had a boyfriend in Taipei back in the days because she liked the city. But um, uh -huh. grandma's family say, "No, you have to marry this man because he's got tea mountains." Oh, wow. <laughs> so uh, yeah. that's why. <laughs> That's they got married and then grandma absolutely just did not wasn't a big fan of you know farming uh, but they still knew how to make tea uh, back in the days and then they moved to Taipei and so when I grew up I will always come back to Dongding whenever I will have vacations at school 
and then um, whenever I come back, it's always tea and tea before meal, after meal, before sleep, yeah, yeah. <laughs> even when you wake up. It's like tea is water for us. Yeah. There isn't a set time that we set for tea. It's yeah. just anytime. When you're, when, this is my favorite thing about hanging around the tea mountains as a tea guy. In America, I drink tea than, more tea than 99.99% of people. But then I come to the tea hills and they're just always drinking tea. No matter what time it is, somebody's sitting at the table, somebody's making the tea. But hey, let's take a go. moment. It smells so good. <laughs> mm. Really nice. Yeah, it's got the, it's the roastiness really comes out there. How would you describe the scent? Mm. I like that nuttiness. Mm. And it also has that creaminess. Yeah. It's very sweet in general. Like mm. before I opened the lid, I could already smell the tea. Yeah. What, what can you tell, like, can you tell whether it's been roasted well or roasted badly just by the scent? Um, by the scent, it's kind of hard, but by smelling this, mm. the brewed tea, mm. it can tell you a lot about what happened in the garden and also what happened mm. in the production process. So what are, you, what are you looking for when you're smelling that, the, the brewed tea for the first time to show you that it's good quality? So after you brew the tea, uh, you open the lid and you smell, there will be steam coming up and you will get like a smash in the face kind of fragrance. Um, but the first uh, impression um, might be deceiving. So mm. you have to get deeper, like mm. after the steam is gone and you really just have to, usually there's a differences between when you just lightly breathing inhale mm. and when you do a, Exactly. The big boy. Yeah. And it smells very different. <laughs> mm, so you can yeah. try that. Oh yeah. It like does you have feel a little... much more because the timing, mm. like the time of you inhaling is it much stays closer. in there longer. So you get layers of layers of fragrance and also really good. Yeah, it just gets deeper. But well, here we true. go. Cheers. Thank you. <laughs> That's nice. Mm. We've drunk a lot of really good tea today, so this, yeah, it's, um, this is what, what makes this like, you know, when you drink that your, this tea, what's, um, what's it's like special qualities for you? For me, I enjoy when there is still the freshness of tea in the back of your throat, that mm. it has to still feel juicy at, mm. at the back. Even our most roasted, heaviest roast, mm. you still should feel that juiciness huigan mm. afterward. And I will know that is a good roast mm. because our tea are roasted very slowly. Mm. Um, some other people might have a, like a higher temperature and that, that might give you higher fragrance, but in general, as I say, you roast the leaves a lot and mm -hmm. inside there's still water. So mm -hmm. in the long term, it's not as good for storage. Mm. Uh, but when you roast tea slowly, mm. it, it penetrates all into the tea, into the core of the tea, and mm. as well as the stern. So, so is this the sort of tea that if you had like, say, exposed to air, it won't, it won't be as bad as if you had a, like those fast roasted teas exposed to air? In fact, um, I would say starting from our medium roast, I will even recommend opening the pack for a day or two, mm. just to let it wake up. Wow. Uh, just to, you know, it's like when you open a bottle of wine, mm. you put in the decanter. That's good. Well, I mean, it also shows confidence in the quality because a lot of the uh, lighter uh, oxidized oolongs, I know that 
you they have like lots of um they have lots of like clips and stuff you want to keep the air out keep the air out keep the air out mm -hmm. um but if you can get it like with all the water gone then you don't need to worry about that so that's one of the benefits again of the uh of the slower row so yeah very cool let's go back to your personal story about how you did tea um so you grew up sort of having tea all around you and then uh, when did you decide to sort of become a tea person? Was it while you were in China or was it, I remember you said you had studied abroad? It was very funny because uh, to be honest, I grew up in the tea family, but I was, I was not interested in tea. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like water. It's like yeah. nothing special. It's like, you know, this table is like, okay, I yeah. noticed that I knew how to brew tea growing up. It's just like, ah, it all tastes, yeah. <laughs> it's just tea to me. Mm. I didn't feel anything connected to tea but i knew it was something it, it was something that is in my everyday life mm. uh, but i didn't i wasn't that interested in it and then until i took a gap year traveling around southeast asia and europe and actually as a taiwanese uh person mm. uh you don't have to be tea person but mm. i think even tea person would think like the western herbal yeah. blends is so cool like yeah. we'll find those really nice tin jar with a lot of herbal like flowers fruits. So you were really curious about the herbal blends. Yeah, I think in general Taiwanese people would think that all oh, these herbal blends are really fancy because mm. it's so pretty, it's got colors. Mm. So I was one of them. Oh yeah. And so I went to I went to different shops and just smell it all smelled really good. Like when they opened that tin and then you're like, oh this fragrance smells really good. But when mm. I took it home and I, when I actually brew it, it didn't taste much. And I realized, wait, maybe some of them were artificial, artificially flavored. Yeah. So they were not natural flavored. That's part of the big thing that like a lot of people in the Western tea shops are used to like opening up. Oh, that smells so amazing. I want to take that back. And then a lot of it is they spray scented oil on it, right? Yeah, I think honestly, uh, one of the things that people see more commonly is milky oolong. Mm. Uh, so in Western tea shop, a lot of time, um, some places you go, when you buy milky oolong, um, I would say when you open the tin and it smells like caramel, mm. like toffee candy, very mm -hmm. dense. Mm. I would say a lot of times it's yeah. artificially yeah. sprayed. Because either it's like the best in the world mm -hmm. or they were spraying stuff on it to make it smell good. Yeah, <laughs> because the real milky oolong is actually coming from the Jinshan cultivar itself mm. that at the back uh, it has that silky, creamy milkiness, mm. but it's not like oh it tastes like milk yeah and it definitely wasn't steamed with milk yeah during the production yeah <laughs> yeah so and we actually we're going to have a jinxuan oolong uh milk oolong in the a box natural right? one. A natural one so natural. if you want the real one that came from the mountain and was processed right and is not sprayed with stuff that's going to be one of the ones in the uh in the set which i think people are really going to like because that's even lighter and, and crisper than this one which is roasted so very very cool so so you you kind of it sounds like you almost discovered how good the Taiwanese tea was when you left. And then you realized that a lot of those herbal blends didn't give you repeatable steeps. And it was, it was, uh, was that sort of a reason to go back and start reinvestigating your own tea? It was probably after I realized those, some of these herbal blends, they were perfume. And I realized, oh, my family's tea is actually pretty good. Yeah. Cause you know, it's like you grew up getting used to this tea and you just think it's okay. But then you actually went outside and see other things. It's like, oh, Taiwanese tea in general, 
are pretty good. Mm. And at that time, I was living in Sweden, and one of the tea shop owners say, "Oh, Taiwanese oolong are really good,、mm. and but it's really hard for us to get it." And so I started selling tea. Well, so there <laughs> so, we go. Yeah, so when you start selling something, you gotta understand more.、Yeah. So I started reading books and actually got more into tea because、nice. I needed to sell it.、Nice. I needed to. Well, you gotta know what you're talking about. Then. Exactly. <laughs> so then, was it like,、um, how did you learn how to describe tea to the Westerners? Because this is like a huge problem that I have is that when you're speaking with Chinese people that have drunk a lot of tea. You can kind of make these comparisons. Oh, it's a hong cha, it's a red tea, it's an oolong, it's a, something like that. Even people that don't know a lot about tea、mm-hmm. will know more than regular people outside of China. But then, once you get to these places, like, how do you talk to Swedish people about tea?、Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly.、Um, so I think it's very interesting. We all speak、uh, different language in tea.、Um, production people and. Customers,、mm. like for customer, we will speak food languages.、Mm. We will say, "Oh, this tastes like banana. This tastes like mango." But for production people, we have to speak in a language. We cannot use food to describe tea. We have to speak very technical language.、Mm. We will say, "Oh, this is oxidized at this level. This is roasted to this level."、Mm. We are a bit more technical, but that's two different languages. Do you, do you feel like one of the languages is more true? I don't think necessarily、uh, that it's more true. It's just what helps you understand better.、Mm. Because if you were a if you were a tea roaster and you're like, I want more banana, they would have no idea what to oh, do. Oh, this、right? this story <laughs> happened when、oh, yeah. I was、uh, learning tea with my because、mm. I was learning how to kill green chao ting,、uh, yeah. and、uh, I would because I actually learned the Western tasting notes、mm. uh, how to describe. Tea notes、mm. um, in more of a because in Taiwan we don't really describe tea notes with food that、mm. much. We would say, "Oh, this is floral,、yeah. this is fruity, this is honey."、Yeah. Um, but in Western world, you are more niche into you know, yeah, like, like a BMW yeah, car. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, <you> know, <laughs> I actually do it because、right? I love to smell things. And like, for me, different cars smell different. BMW is like you're about to drink it and it cut you off. <laughs> like and that, that's what the BMW is like a total like. drift and <laughs> tastes different. The, the BMW when is, something's stuck in your mouth, you're yeah, like ah. <laughs> In your mouth, and you just, just, just right there. But it does spell a little bit different. We were actually hating on BMW people all day. Driving up the mountain, this BMW guy zoomed in front of our car and almost hit an oncoming motorcycle. And、um, just saying, I'm not. If you drive a BMW, you're probably a great customer of mine. So I'm not talking about you. But for everybody else, anyway. But、um, but yeah. So but this is the thing, though. It's like. It's a total cultural thing to describe things as cars. I, talk, I actually get that. I like. I'm look. I'm always looking for ways to be able to describe it because it like taste is so personal. Exactly. I think taste is very personal. So the story was that I would speak to my、uh, master who told、mm. me how to kill green. I was like, this tastes like、mm. uh, papaya milk,、mm-hmm. and he would tell me, don't speak to me like that. Don't talk. <laughs> He was kind of mean, but he said, "I will not understand. I will not accept this language." <laughs> you're going to say that you're going to buy it. Don't talk to me like that. Yeah, it's as if you are being disrespectful. Yeah. So he was, he was like angry. He was like, no, because he he told me he's a very nice master, yeah, and yeah. I respect him yeah, a lot. Yeah. But he told me that my papaya milk、mm. and your papaya milk is、mm. different. Ah. You know how milk in different places actually tastes yeah, yeah. different. Yeah. Yeah. So.、Yes. Each person's 
like you yeah. you would say oh this smells like cinnamon but mm. there are so many different kind of cinnamon yeah uh, so usually what i do is when i go to a new country i will start smelling things around mm. especially flowers mm. because in taiwan when you're buying uh, high mountain oolong mm. a lot of time people like to use orchid mm -hmm. as a description of tea but mm. We, you don't have orchid yeah, in the Western world, right? If you're not in a place that knows what an orchid yeah, smells Yeah, like or orchid, osmanthus, like. or yeah. lychee, mango, yeah. um, depending on the regions. Like, if I tell you orchid, you probably can't associate that yeah. well. Uh, so like... Or it might be like vague, it might be like you're giving somebody a really good tea, but because the word you use to help them is something they're like, okay, orchid is a flower. I'm just getting flower. I don't, mm. I don't know specifically what the orchid is. Whereas if you have like, you know, a different specific word for those people, it will really be helpful. Yeah. So for my advice is uh, for tea people who want to discuss tea notes with people from other cultures, mm. you know, try each other's Try each other's food. food. Yeah. That's a really good point because you, even you said it here, like lychee, mm -hmm. like I was surprised. I went on my last trip to uh, Beijing. I had like, I bought some lychees at like a, at a you know, a fruit store. And I took a picture of them and put them on my Instagram and we got a couple people who were like, what are those? They, they didn't know what they were. And so it wouldn't be helpful for me to describe this lychee. Um, it's one of the problems I feel like sometimes people in the, in the, hot, in the fancy food world mm -hmm. will intentionally use words that other people are not going to know. Because that way they're like, What's oh, the they, point of that? I know, I know. But this is what drives me crazy. It's like it doesn't do any good to describe it like mm -hmm. that. If, um, if it's not helpful, you know? So you, you would go and you would try to smell what the cinnamon in a certain place smells like or smell yeah. what the flowers in a certain like place smells the like. Most, I would go on the street and see what's the most common flower. Like mm. some people, some areas could be like gardenia. I think mm. gardenia is easy for people to mm -hmm. understand mm -hmm. or rose. These are like easier. I know what a rose is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, a little bit tied into the flower world myself. <laughs> but yeah, but the, the um, being able to help people do that tasting is, is uh, a big part of getting people into the higher level tea. Yeah, but at the same time, um, when people are on my tea table, I actually do not like to talk about tea tasting notes. Mm. I don't like to guide people through tasting notes because mm. tasting notes is so personal. Mm. And it's very interesting. Like I, I can tell you like, oh, there's mango. And you will search every it's single shocking. part of mango. It could be the mango skin. It could no. be the core of mango. It could be the, like the meat of mango that you will try to associate with mm -hmm. mango. And then that will sort of guide you yeah. towards that taste. Because I, I have a quite, because we give four tasting notes usually on each tea card that comes mm -hmm. with our thing. And those tasting notes, I just make myself, mm -hmm. uh, you know. I wish I had more adjectives. People who have had repeatedly had RTs notice like a lot of honey shows up, a lot of floral shows up. Mm -hmm. um, but I also, I, I did that because people really wanted them. But, yeah. but I also felt a little bit in the same way. Like, you know, it is a little bit of a shame if I'm going to be giving this tea to somebody for the first time and, and like not and influencing the way they drink it. And I wouldn't do it except that we're an online tea house. And so I don't get the chance to sit down with people and answer mm -hmm. questions. So some people really want to know that. And so it's there for them. Mm -hmm. But I, you know, if you guys want to ignore my tasting notes, like do it. I'm not any sort of like giant expert in adjectives 
for tasting notes. <laughs> I think it's really, I think when you firstly get into tea, you want to have guidance. Mm. And I would also recommend, even though you have the cards, try to sip on the tea without any guidance first, mm. and then you can open the card. Mm. But these aren't necessarily the correct answer because there's no correct answer mm. on tasting notes because mm. it's very personal. Yeah. And same with the steep times and temperatures, would mm -hmm. you say? Steep time, temperatures, I notice, um, you know, a, a lot of people in the West are familiar are very with coffee. Strict. Well, yeah, mm -hmm. it, and I think for coffee, it makes sense. I'm not a big coffee guy either, but I've heard for coffee, if you pour the tea, if you steep it too long or you're, you're getting too long of an extraction, that can be bad for the coffee. For tea, it really, for me, it's always been a little bit more about touch and personal, personal taste. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like the steep times and temperatures also, kind of like the tasting notes, are kind of just do what you want? Or is that more specific? I feel like there's always a range that you can play with. Like our heaviest chocolate oolong, that is also going to be in the box. When mm. you brew it lighter, mm -hmm. am I allowed to say? Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. You can say. Yeah, we, there's no more spoilers. This is this is the launch video. If you haven't noticed, yeah, we will yeah. have the all the info up by the time this launches. All of the info on all the teas will be up on the shop. But yes, don't want to spill the. We, we are. I'm very excited about this. So you're talking about the highest roasted yeah. charcoal. Yeah. So I think tea is very interesting because depending on how you brew it, what vessel you brew it in, what temperature, uh, even what kettle mm -hmm. that you like what kind of fire mm. like electric or charcoal mm. um that all changes the taste of your tea mm. so the, of course like steep time and also proportion and also temperature um, mm. that is one thing to play with and they can be all very different but mm. i think good tea is very forgiving mm -hmm. and i think that's why you should always have good tea yeah <laughs> this is actually this is a, it, it seems uh funny but the better tea you get the harder it is to mess up um, we did tastings today and we can show some of the footage of that where the way you recommend trying different types of teas and deciding which to buy uh, involves overbrewing them by a lot. And that way you can really see when if you've overbrewed the tea really badly and it's still good, you know the quality is at least at a certain level. Um, and so that was uh, that's something that I actually saw a lot here in Taiwan. We saw it at many different tea houses. And um, I kind of like the idea behind that because it means like you can be very sure that if you get a good quality tea that, you know, you can relax a bit, you know. I think coffee, I don't know coffee, but for me it sounds a little, it feels a little bit more like, you know, Tolsey, like um, mm. makes me nervous if I wasn't pouring at exactly the right time on my timer, mm -hmm. you know, whereas with the tea, it really can play to your, your own taste. And so I really encourage people to do that because I get a lot of comments that are like, should I steep it at 95 degrees or 90? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, there's probably a way of doing both. Like that's not going to cause the tea to blow up and explode. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, I would say good tea, especially oolongs. All the mm. teas that we have in the box, it's gonna withstand boiling mm -hmm. temperature. Mm -hmm. So just whichever, whichever temperature, it's gonna brew out great. Great. For, before we get off of the subject of explaining tea to Westerners, um, I know that you have sold tea to Michelin restaurants before. Mm -hmm, right. So how did how did that happen? How did you get the idea to do that? Or, or how did you wind up getting tea into these really, really high-end restaurants? So first it started in Sweden at the three-star Michelin restaurant. And it was through my tea shop supplier. And they really liked um, the really 
Um, specialty. They really enjoy the Shui Tian. That is, mm-hmm. Shui Tian is a Chinese cultivar, but mm. they brought it to Taiwan, and then it's grown on high mountain. It's mm. chocolate roasted, mm. and all these are they really are seeking for um, unique mm. uniqueness and and something rare. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, nowadays uh, people instead of wine pairing, I see a trend of doing tea pairing mm. with food for people who don't want to. Consume alcohol mm-hmm. uh, during dinner time, and I think it's really nice to see this trend coming, and because that means the artisanal Taiwanese tea have mm-hmm. another stage to shine, mm-hmm. you know, especially outside of Taiwan, yeah. and it's very nice to see how tea can be uh, transformed, mm-hmm. like. Yeah, because I think tea in Taiwan sometimes is seen as a commodity, mm-hmm. but I think tea is art. Mm. Because each batch is different depending on the day that it's made, the weather, mm. the people, the soil, the terroir, and everything. It, it truly is art because mm. we are not gonna ever make the same tea again, even yeah. though it's just one day apart. Yeah, I mean, even uh, with uh, with aged teas, this is always kind of it makes more sense to people. Like we would sell a two thousand five tea on the website, <clears throat> and then when we sold out of it, we sold out. And I asked my tea guy, "Do we have any more?" It's like you drunk it all. It's mm-hmm. gone. Yeah, and I think that that makes sense with age people get it with age but they don't they don't necessarily get it as much as like this crop that was made from this week during the spring of this time on this mountain once it's gone it's gone you can find stuff that's similar but it's never going to be exactly the same yeah like as a tea maker it's important to stay consistent in your quality Mm -hmm. and your style Mm -hmm. but there's always a slight difference you know like it's it's possible to make about the same style yeah we can keep our roast at similar level but yeah. it's never going to be the same yeah so if you like a batch just buy all yeah yeah that's a yeah this is your 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 cue to get it earlier rather than later although you know hopefully by working with good people we'll be able to keep the quality consistent but this is i think part of the reason why the big companies the liptons and those sort of just grind everything together and then just have this really mass commodity sort of thing because if you're really trying, the moment you respect the tea enough to know that it's going to be different from, from batch to batch, it's hard to be in a grocery store, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah. you know, cause people are like, they want to taste the exact same way every time. So exactly. I, I think they probably, and I'm not an expert on this, but I bet they probably spend a lot of time and energy trying to make it taste the exact same way every time. Because if you're a grocery store tea, that's what people want. Exactly. But I, I think that, you know, once we broaden our minds away from the grocery store tea, it's great to know that like, you know, this, it makes this tea time even more special, you know? Because it's like, we might not get this again, mm-hmm. even if we're buying, you know, very similar tea or the same mountain. And so I really hope we get to that point in the West where, you know, I can feel comfortable saying I have two teas from the same mountain. They taste different. Mm-hmm. Like right now, as a, as a guy that makes online videos, it seems like an, an impossible thing to convince people that two teas from the same mountain taste different. Mm. Um, but if you come up here on the mountain, we literally just had three teas from Ali we Shan. Had, well, <laughs> yeah. before yeah. that, I had seven. Yeah, she had seven. Ali San Jinshen. Yeah. And I uh, filter it down. Yeah, to filter three it down to three. I tried the three and, and you could taste the difference between the three and they all had different um, stuff to them. And of course, everybody's going to have their own personality to it. But like, 
I think that that's one of those things that makes tea a mindful drink for me mm. because you don't want to just like, it's not, it's the exact opposite of like throw it in the mug and then you're done. Um, that's what I really like about it. So, uh, so yeah, so you were, you were getting into these Michelin restaurants and what's it like to sell to a Michelin restaurant? I think a lot of stories have, I think in Taiwan, people are very result based. At least in the um, more wholesale industry, people are very result based, like brew mm -hmm. the tea yeah. and then we'll judge the price by how it tastes. Mm. But people sometimes forget about the stories behind, the efforts, the time being put. Like my grand uncle would stay at home all the time. He cannot leave the house more than 20 minutes because <laughs> he'll have to come back and flip the tea. Yeah. And all these are, you know, not seeing stories. These stories should be seen and mm. people should uh, shine light on these uh, stories. And I think that's what makes it different. They really, Michigan restaurant, they, they love stories mm. and they love to tell stories behind these ingredients that mm. they source from. Um, because this Michigan restaurant that I supply to uh, in Ireland, they are Asian French fusion. Okay. So they want to only use Taiwanese tea mm. and they study the whole history for Taiwanese tea culture and all of them try to memorize mm. the how to pronounce each tea master's name. That was very oh, respect good. to that. Cool. <laughs> yeah, so I, I get really happy when people pay attention or willing to to you know give extra effort just to present these stories mm -hmm. to to the customers yeah why do you feel like the stories are so important do you feel like without the story you can't taste the tea or is it like what makes you feel like the story of the tea is a really like you, you can't cut it out of drinking the tea um i think in taiwan it's because um, what I say mm -hmm. about being result based is mm. that there are too many choices. Mm. There are too many people growing tea and that you really, you have too many to, to choose from. Mm. So it's very competitive. Yeah. So people forget about the stories, yeah. but each farmer spends so much effort. Yeah. What they put in the soil, like some farmers put chemical soil, uh, chemical fertilizer, some put organic fertilizer and that comes out with very different results. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you just want, like sometimes in Taiwan, you will say, oh, I want this price and mm -hmm. see what you can get. Yeah. And I think people forget about the story behind yeah. that. And I think it's, it's, it's very depressing as somebody that makes something to be like, you put in this extra effort and people are like, I don't have time for that. Look, uh, I'm going to pay you that. Yeah. And then it's like, what about like, can I tell you what I did? No. Mm -hmm. no. Like that, that would, that's like, you know, the last place you want to be as an artist. As an artist, it's you're, kind you know, of like artists, mm. and that's why I find tea is like art because mm. you really need to find the right people to appreciate it. Very cool. Just as I say, there's no best tea, only teas that fits you nice. because like art is like the feeling of pretty. Mm. It's depending on the person. Like yeah. what I think pretty is not mm. what you would think. Is that's pretty. true. And so one last point on the Michelin, and then we're going to take a quick break, but. Do you feel like they have the skill after all their research? Did they have the skill to pick the right teams? Did they pick good ones? Or at the end of the day, was it really like you just have to give them the good stuff and they're not going to be able to tell? It was a communication and also training and education on like what is best for your food because they were doing food pairing. Mm. So they need to tell me which food and I will think of a 
tea that will fit this food well. Mm. And Can you give an example of like a tea that you paired to a food? Yeah, so exactly uh, like high mountain oolong, I will pair with seafood because yeah. it has that really nice umami. And when you have it with scallops, it just, oh, you yeah. know. That would be good. Best it has to be light because the high mountain oolong is not like, it's not punchy. Mm -hmm. Or in the dessert, it's always nice to have yep. black tea, mm -hmm. uh, especially when you have a honey black tea. They mm -hmm. just sort of make, like they dance tango together. Yeah, yeah. You feel layers. That's really cool. Very cool. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back with the second half and learn more about the traditional charcoal roasting method and uh, have a really special high charcoal roasted tea. I'm Jesse. I'm Jamie. And we'll be right back. It's time for battle with the new fun mobile game, Battle of Battles. Battle your friends, your enemies, and even other battles. And maybe after your 10th, 100th, or 1,000th battle, you'll realize that violence doesn't really solve anything. So many battles. And what comes of it? More battles. It's like, we don't want to battle, but we don't know how not to battle. So if you're battling and battling and don't want to battle, maybe try some really good tea, like Jesse's Tea House. Jesse gets his teas straight from small tea shops and tea farmers in China and puts them into a subscription service. Just use the code JESSEPOD for $10 off your first order of $30 or more and stop this endless battling. God damn. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Tea Time with Jesse. I'm Jesse here with Jamie from Taiwan. And uh, Jamie, again, her family is going to be providing the teas for our Taiwan mystery box, which is no longer a mystery. You can find all of the information up on the website. We're gonna have four different teas uh, from different mountains around Taiwan prepared by your family uh, in different levels of roastiness, um, all the way from like, you know, unroasted, very clear, clean, all the way up to what we're about to drink, which is a high roast, a deep roast. And the roasting style is also what caught me by surprise because I had never tried anything like this. This is the traditional charcoal roasting method. Is that right? Exactly. This mm. is a bit more than traditional. This is more like a modern contemporary take yeah. on traditional techniques. Yeah, so it's, it's a really cool style and I'm very excited to hear more about it. I actually just got a chance to go to your workshop and see uh, your uncle or granduncle? Granduncle. Granduncle. <laughs> um, actually show me the uh, the longan tree wood that he uses for the uh, for the, the charcoal. The charcoal and the ashes that are used to cover up the uh, the heat. And why don't you give everybody an introduction of what we're about to drink and then the method used to make it? Right. So um, everyone can have a look at this tea we're about to drink. This is the darkest roast that we have in our family collection uh, of chocolate roasting tea. And uh, it was chocolate roasted for five times over a period of one month. Mm. And each time after roasting, we let it rest for a bit. So, so the tea will be flexible to work with again. So it takes a whole month to make a batch of this. Yeah, and even after a whole month of working with it, we would let it rest for another, some more time mm. until we actually sell it. Yeah, so this is the tea that if, you, if you're in the sampler box, we give everybody 10 grams of this. That's enough for two sessions. Um, it's, it's expensive and it's, it's hard to make. Like I asked about it, I was like, how much of it can we get? And she's like, oh, like, yeah, there's, there's not the a ton The old man can't roast that much. Exactly, it's yeah. literally like they're all, like, you know, it's, it's this, this guy who knows how to do this technique and um, him roasting it. And you're learning how to roast it as well. Right? I'm learning, but I don't think I'm that good enough to go this deep. Mm. Because when tea is this heavy roast, you really, is just purely tasting the techniques from this roasting master. Mm. 
if it's a bad roasting, this tea is just gonna taste very burnt mm. and not unpleasant mm. because you are really gonna taste the tea itself, but mm. the whole thing, like... The technique really shows yeah. through. If you have bad technique, it's gonna be very apparent. Exactly. Very cool. Well, this is this is exciting. So let's, let's make this and, and get going with it because I'm very excited to try this again. I tried the one sample <laughs> that we had in the tea house in Taipei exactly. um, and it was, it was really unique. How would you describe the flavors that come out of a roasted oolong? From roasted oolong, there are also two versions of roasting, electric roasting and charcoal roasting. And as my grand uncle said that charcoal roasting tea, the longian charcoal itself, gives extra brown sugar notes mm. to tea. And electric roasting gives mostly nutty, nutty mm -hmm. notes to tea. And yeah. I think that's different notes that from different roasting methods that it adds on to tea. But mm -hmm. according to how heavy your roast is, it also gives different notes. Right. For example, like this roast, it gives when you actually, also depending on how light or how strong you brew it. Uh, when this tea is brewed lightly, it tastes like cigar. Mm. <laughs> Very smoky. Exactly. And when it's uh, heavy roasted, it tastes more like a dark roasted coffee mm. because all the fruity sourness get bring, brings out when you brew it stronger. Very cool. So I think this is a very interesting tea for coffee people mm -hmm. who wants to get into the tea world. Yeah. And we, and we definitely have a lot of people, like I get a lot of comments asking that. And I usually recommend sort of like darker oolongs, Dachshund Pao or something like that mm -hmm. as like kind of, it, I mean, it doesn't taste quite like coffee. We also say shu puar, the really darker shu puar. Mm -hmm. I think part of that's just though because the coffee people want a lot of taste. They yeah. don't want sweet water. Um, the, this would be like an easier transition. Yeah. From so coffee. yeah, and so this is also really cool because as a as a tea person myself, as I said, I've drunk a lot of tea, and so the first time that I. It wasn't even when I tasted the tea. It was the step we're about to do right now, where the gaiwan has been heated up, and then we give it a little bit of a shake. And then that shake starts to bring out the aroma of the tea leaves. This is the first time you're really going to smell the, the full impact there. And uh, I'm looking forward to this again. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's it's like, it almost is like walking into a Starbucks a little bit. <laughs> like, you know, like, I, don't know I hope it's better than a Starbucks. <laughs> no, better than like, as a coffee, yeah, non-coffee yeah. guy, I, I smell that. And I'm like, that doesn't immediately. It's like a Americano, like a yeah. very dog roast, mm -hmm. uh, roasted coffee that you get in America, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, um, it's, it's, a, it's very cool because I'm, you know, I'm a traditional apprentice to Chinese culture myself. I studied Xiangsheng with Master Ding for seven years. And it's definitely one of those things where a lot of these traditional cultural techniques, you need to learn them for years and years and years. You need a very, a very subtle understanding of what, what is right and what is wrong. Not because there is like right and wrong, but because without that expertise, you really just copying other people you're not really continuing the tradition mm -hmm. and so what did you um first think of the charcoal roasting when you saw it growing up <laughs> let me try to recall yeah um because growing up back in the days tea also tasted a little bit different back mm -hmm. in the days tea would have been more roasted than nowadays mm. nowadays because of high mountain oolong is the market trend so mm. all the teas are much lighter oxidized mm. like teguan will be lighter oxidized and mm. lighter uh, roasted too mm. uh, so growing up the tea were 
somewhere between the second rows to, mm -hmm. um, in our in mm -hmm. our tea box actually that would have been the tea that we were more used to mm -hmm. when I was little growing up mm -hmm. and I will just associate with home yeah. yeah because Dongding is famous for charcoal roasted tea mm -hmm. and in this area like mm -hmm. charcoal roasted oolong so so the roasting for you is kind of like that's kind of what tea was normally like yeah. And then, you know, recently there has been a trend to lighter, less oxidized teas in Taiwan. Mm -hmm. But one of the cool things I think about the Western or the international tea market is that it's always good to know what's happening mm -hmm. in the local market. Exactly. But, but we don't need to do exactly the same thing mm -hmm. as in the local market. In Yunnan, they, they only drink Sheng Puar, they only drink Ra Puar, they're very picky, they only drink it from a couple mountains. And I kind of almost think that's like a mistake in the sense that there's a lot of great poor out there, mm -hmm. but people kind of get stuck in a loop, like drinking the same types of tea. So mm -hmm. do you feel like, um, do you feel like being part of the tea family and seeing the many different types of tea makes it easier for you to try different teas? Yeah, that definitely gives me a more exposure mm -hmm. to different diver diversities of mm -hmm. tea. Um, but I think it's very important not to not to be biased when tasting mm. tea mm. because a lot of masters uh, mm. you spend the whole life making just one type of tea and you can be thinking that oh this is the best mm. this is the truth mm. this it should be like this yeah. but I think as a customer it's very nice to get a mix of there's no what is right, what is wrong, mm. but there is indeed what is modern, what is traditional. Mm. And I think especially Dongding is a good example because nowadays if you buy Dongding, it will be much lighter than before. Mm. So we like to offer traditional because it's not as common to find this anymore mm. because the older generation, it's only the older generation that are doing go. the chocolate roasting now. Well, we might, maybe we'll be the people to bring it back. Look at that yeah. color. Oh man, very cool. So the um, so tell me more about the charcoal roasting itself. So how mm -hmm. does it work, from like the sort of the beginning to the end of it? Mm -hmm. So uh, when you want to start charcoal roasting, like our family, mm -hmm. we want to make sure um, because all the tea, all the oolongs. What do you smell? That's it's intense. <laughs> I like it. A lot going on. Yeah, there's a lot going on. <laughs> It's just, yeah, the, the roasty, it's, yeah, it's almost a more cigar-y, smoky roast than mm -hmm. the nuttiness you get from the electric. Because exactly. usually it's funny, I, when I say roasty, really what I'm feeling is that nuttiness. Mm -hmm. This really feels more like a roast. It, it almost feels like, um, it almost feels like you're like cooking barbecue and went a little too far. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, this is what we call um, peak of fire, mm. actually, just a little bit before it's burned. Mm. Just on the very tip. Right on the tip. Uh, so you can feel that almost burn kind of feeling, mm. like barbecue. Uh, but it smells very strong, but mm. we actually taste it. You can take a sip, and it's actually pretty sweet and there smooth. That's it. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah. So that's, that's a very interesting flavor because it's both very intense and smoky and dark, but also very smooth. Yeah, but notice the, the end, the aftertaste. You can still feel that juice. Yep. And still the, so like a lot of the, this is what I notice. The, the more I hang out with the tea people, the less they talk about the taste and the more they talk about the hui gan, like the, mm -hmm. the returning flavor, yeah. the uh, aftertaste, because mm -hmm. that's where you can tell where the tea is good. If it has a bad aftertaste, you don't really want to drink too much mm -hmm. of it. It'll taste good going down, but then you'll be like, oh. 
Yeah, because tasting tea is about smelling the fragrance and also the mouthfeel, aftertaste, throat feeling, and how your body feels as well. I bet this would taste really good if you aged it like 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> it be really good. Only if you have that much until then. If you have that much time, yeah, it's going to be hard to keep it from drinking at all. So, yeah, so again, so tell us the what is the process of making a traditional charcoal roasted tea? Yeah, so. Um, when we are dealing with bowl-shaped oolong as a roaster, I'm not sure about mm -hmm. other roasters. Show over here, we can get it on the camera. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. right here, you can have a look. All of the tea, um, they are bowl-shaped. So mm -hmm. before we start roasting, we have to refine the tea first by mm -hmm. um, picking out, well, de-sterm. Mm -hmm. We have to de-sterm the, mm -hmm. the extra mm -hmm. too long. So if when the sturm much, is too yeah. long, we have to remove it because mm. sturm has the most water. Mm. So when you're roasting tea that has too much water, it makes it really hard mm. for the fire to go into the tea. Mm. And that will make the tea in the long term being not as good mm. in storage. Uh, so first step is always uh, de-sturm mm -hmm. the tea uh, in our family. And then we will get to roasting. So we actually start by electric roasting, but it's not a long time that we do electric roasting because the good thing about electric roasting is very consistent that we start with by, by building a base first. Mm. We give the, this tea a very good base first because it's like building a house. Mm. You need to not have a nice fundamentals. Mm. So, and then you start building up the flavors. Mm. So first we are getting rid of the grassy, like unpleasant odd, like a smell that we mm -hmm. don't want in tea. And when the tea is clear, then it's the time that we add flavors. Mm. It's like when you're, hmm, how would I describe this in food? Like you need mm. to deal with the ingredients first. Mm. So it's ready at its you know, perfect yeah. conditions yeah. To, to add flavors. You don't just like throw a carrot in a pot. You might have to, you know, skin it. Exactly. It's like it. when you're making like uh, maybe meat sauce or white sauce, uh, when you're making pasta, you want to make sure you fry the onion nicely mm. instead of just like smashing all the ingredients all together. Yeah. So you can really tell later in the finished dish whether it was, whether that base was done well. Yeah. And the yeah. same with the tea. Yeah, because if the base is not done well you will feel that it's not as smooth mm. yeah and that's why when the tea is built slowly in the mm. roasting stage um, you can really feel that it's very smooth even though that it's very very heavy roast mm. uh, so for us uh, patience is the key patience is the key yeah. but also patience takes time and skill so yeah. it's a, it's a little bit of a trickiness if you if you wait too long or you you're taking too much time to make the tea then maybe the market passes you by <laughs> yeah exactly and i think with um, artisanal tea making sometimes mm. Sometimes you can be a little bit stubborn because yeah. you're seeking for what's the best. Mm, right. Being an artist, you, you will always want to be better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, okay, so you've de-stemmed it, you've given it a base roast. Yeah. And then what's the next step? And then the after that, roasting? we will start the one, two, three, four, five okay. fire. And then, so what's the process of lighting the charcoal fire like? Like you take the charcoal and you just throw it in or how do you arrange it? What's, what's it look like? So you saw how big of a chunk. Yeah, of we a... saw it. it was really cool that um, your, your grand uncle mm -hmm. had this giant piece of longan tree 
uh, and it was it looked like a tree. And they, <laughs> like I know it sounds it stupid, but like I I don't know if I've seen a piece of charcoal that I think what you get for a barbecue roasting is just yeah. like tiny one, right? Yeah, you get briquettes or like even if you have charcoal, it, it looks more like the lumps that the, he had in the big mm -hmm. like you know the it's not gua. What do you call that? Like kaxiang, like in the in the big round thing, like furnace. the furnace. Mm -hmm. um, but the, uh, and then he took out this huge piece and he was saying that even getting the wood now is very difficult. Yeah, getting the charcoal now is like a fight yeah. between if you have the guanxi, if yeah, you have yeah. the connection. You gotta, know, you gotta know a guy. You gotta know somebody. You gotta know <laughs> you get your, your charcoal. Yeah. And what, why is it so hard? Because these charcoal, um, that we use uh, is only we only use longyan wood mm -hmm. for charcoal roasting. Obviously, you can also use lichi wood mm -hmm. or other kinds of wood uh, for charcoal roasting. But longyan wood is the best because it has the best, uh, it has the most density. Mm -hmm. So it gives very consistent fire, mm -hmm. and it doesn't have any other smell. Mm -hmm. Like if you use pine woods, it will have pine it wood smell like pine wood. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, Longyang wood doesn't have that much smell, mm. but it would just be sweet. Mm. So that's why we decided to use only Longyang wood, but it's very hard to get mm. because it's very hard to grow. Mm. Because for one chunk, the very big chunk that you yeah. saw, I think it's around 50 years yeah. so for that big of a chunk. It's hard to get. And, and I remember your grand uncle was saying like, if I get a hundred pounds, it's a hundred pounds less that everybody else has out on the market. Like there's a very small amount of it that, and so even just getting the wood is difficult. Let's say you've got the wood. It was really funny. Uh, your grand uncle showed us his storehouse. He has this like back room, which is yeah. all like charcoal bags. He was very proud of this, this <laughs> storehouse, which he should be. But it's like, if you didn't know, you'd just be like, oh, there's some bags of stuff. But he's like, no, like, let me show you. Like, and he was like, very mad. Like, yeah, I got three more places like this. Yeah, I'm rich, baby. It's like, this no, is the stock. Yeah, like if, if wood was money, then, then he's, then he's you know, rich, rolling. Rich. But, um, so, so he's got his wood. And then how do you get the fire started? So you have to, you usually have like a fire starter that's powered mm -hmm. by gas, just mm -hmm. anything that will make fire, go. but it has to be strong enough. Okay. And you get that fire going as if you start a barbecue, kind mm -hmm. of in this sense. And then you will not roast tea immediately mm -hmm. after the charcoal is on fire. Mm -hmm. Because when, because, okay, so first you have to break the charcoal, big chunk of charcoal into mm -hmm. small pieces. Mm -hmm. Because if you just, throwing the big charcoal into this space. Yeah. There are still a lot of gaps yeah. in space. And, and the goal is to keep the heat very even, right? Exactly. So you need to make sure the space is filled, uh, filled evenly. Mm. So that's why we need to smash it with something heavy. Mm. What then, is the heavy object that you smash it with? Well, he used different stuff, but <laughs> I've seen people using like another wood chunk, yeah, yeah. like <laughs> smash it. Like you can do whatever you want, be yeah. creative. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so you, you smash it into chunks, you get it very even, you get it lit. And then how do you regulate the heat? Or do you just put it right on the fire? So after you get it, get the fire going, mm -hmm. uh, you still cannot roast the tea for maybe about a day because okay. the fire is still quite inconsistent. Um, it's just like when you just start barbecue, mm. the fire just like, yeah. so we will let the fire settle. Mm. And then, uh, at the beginning, uh, well, how you control temperature is by how much ash you cover up. Mm. There's no a bottom that you can press. Mm. 
So you'd be like, oh, 100 degrees. So it takes a lot of like experience to know exactly when you add this much ash, how much it's going to, the ash will dampen the fire. Is mm -hmm. that right? Uh, yeah, it yeah. will fill the, the space uh, yeah. between the charcoals. And the more ash you cover it with, mm -hmm. because inside it's still burning, mm. but it also make it burn slower. Mm. So the more ash you cover it, the slower it burns mm. and the lower temperature it will be. Mm. I remember your, your grand uncle showed me, he took a scoop of this ash and he was like, he's like this one scoop, it took like 60 gin, which would be like what? Like, like 30 kilos. Kilo. Yeah, 30 something kilograms of wood to create this one scoop of ash. Mm. And so even the ash itself is it's like, very precious. you can't just buy the ash. Yeah, know? so he keep it as a precious thing. Yeah. So that ash is, so that ash is going to be laid down on the fire. You wait a day or so to get the to get the heat even, mm -hmm. and then what's the next step? Um, also, for the ash, mm. it depending on how heavy you press it. Oh, okay. Just so like the, making an espresso. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> People can be very specific about how hard you press oh. it, right? So kind of like that. Mm. Um, and then so after that, you can start roasting the tea that it's a little bit rougher because mm. you don't want to bring out you don't want to start by a very gentle tea mm. by gentle tea i mean high mountain oolong like mm. a very very high elevation oolong mm. and because it's very low oxidized mm. so lowly um lightly oxidized teas um because it's lightly oxidized so it doesn't have that much to play with mm. so for people who are roasting tea they always want to pick the material that is a bit more oxidized mm. because when it's more oxidized. It have mm. more elements to play with mm. in the in the roasting process. Mm. Uh, so we will start by tea that's more rough, like mm -hmm. you can use a higher fire, mm. and it usually would be the tea that you already roast for a couple of few times already. Mm. Like maybe it's a tea that is already on like third roast or four roast that is mm. already tough enough mm. to take on this. Yeah, because yeah. once if you're gonna if you blast the young leaves or the fresh leaves with yeah. the fire, then they're gonna they're gonna just, what happens to them? What is the they flavor? would just get burned. They just get burned and then yeah. just taste burned. It would taste very um, it will bring out stringency and bitterness. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So so you will strategically once you light a new fire you know ahead of time what tea you're going to roast first and yeah. what tea you're going to roast second and third you need to plan out your schedule yeah. so how does that planning look like do you have a book is it just all in your head like it's how all does, in your head. All in your head you will have to decide on like for him he also roasts for people mm -hmm. so he will have different materials on the hand so mm -hmm. he will have to plan out oh like this person has a more gentle tea so i will roast this first mm -hmm. and so sometimes you might have to get in the line for a couple yeah. of few months yeah. or when he has a bigger odor. this was one thing that was fascinating for me because when before i got into tea i'm just like there's a tea farmer he makes the tea but actually there's like everything from like the farmer owns the land and rents the entire plot of land to another family to take care of the trees and then mm -hmm. they do everything and then there's like the farmer will grow the tea and but like hire other people to pick it and take it away mm -hmm. and then there's like the farmer will manage everything up until the point where they sell all their tea to somebody else and they deal with it yeah <laughs> and then exactly. there are people that take it through every different step of the process up until the point where it's fully processed and ready to go and mm -hmm. put out to market and it's part of the reason why tea is a little bit hard for i think this is why it's a little bit hard when people in the west say like who made this 
Well, oh, who, huh? yeah, there will be a long list. Yeah, because I know it, it sounds like you want to know one guy made the whole thing, but it's pretty unusual for one person to go from like growing the leaves to picking the leaves to making exactly. the leaves to processing the leaves to marketing the leaves. Mm -hmm. It's pretty unusual. We might need a book for yeah, who yeah, made yeah. this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so it's some sometimes it's also a little bit hard to know, you know, because exactly. because there are so many layers. Because mm -hmm. what even in the productions each department does its thing mm -hmm. so after the tea is being picked the picking is one department mm -hmm. uh, in a larger size tea mm -hmm. farms like a high mountain oolong like in mm -hmm. our family uh, our chilai farm is mm -hmm. separated into four departments mm -hmm. uh, the picking is one group and then the withering is one group and stir fixing kill green is yeah. one group and then the shaping is another group mm -hmm. but where ingredients like baozong mm -hmm. uh, like in pingling mm -hmm. uh, because it's spiral shaped so you don't have to go through the shaping process mm -hmm. so that you don't have you don't have to have you know one group of people mm -hmm. and it's very labor intensive yeah. um, but for Baozong it's, it's very likely that it just or just one family within mm. the family you can finish this batch mm. and it's usually smaller batch yeah. so for instance so our, our box we have four teas mm -hmm. and so these are all coming from your family or the surrounding area or your family you might have grown some of them or bought some of them and you might have processed some of them and then, but between all of them, you're kind of having your hands on some part of the journey, mm -hmm, right? Exactly. Yeah. So this is part of the thing where it's hard to necessarily say like, oh, th like this family is from this mountain and they make this tea. It's like, it's always a cooperation. I almost feel like mm. you've even said that other people around Taiwan, if they want charcoal roasted tea, they have to go to your grand uncle, basically. <laughs> not that they have to, well, there, are, there are options, but yeah. but there are not many uh, mm -hmm. charcoal roasting yeah. masters. So it's so it's um, it's like one of those things where like your family may have a hand in many different tea shops exactly. around the country. Um, and also another insider thing is that um, tea making, like the mm. masters who make the tea, they actually uh, like the high mountain regions mm. these tea making master they actually it's like a tour it's like mm. you do the comedian show yeah, you yeah, do yeah. a tour in different cities yeah so these master will you know, work in different mountains are they funny they're or pretty they, funny they, 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 they like your, drinking your grand uncle is really funny uh, yeah you know cut to some of his like facial expressions i don't know it was funny he was, <laughs> we were we were doing the whole um charcoal roasting thing and he had the mask on <laughs> but like his eyebrows yeah he's like, He's like, when I got something wrong, he's like, no, 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 no he's wrong. He speaks with these eyebrows. Yeah, he, he's, he's so funny. Um, but uh, so, yeah, so they do these tours. And what's the point of the tour? So usually it happens with um, high, high mountain um, tea um, masters. Mm. So usually you say, I told you that there are three departments that handle the tea making, right? Mm. So the withering, uh, also kilgreen and also shaping. So this usually comes in a whole group of masters and mm. there will be maybe, let's say like 10 people in withering. And so they go on tour together, like comedians. Yeah, it's they, all like yeah, comedy. Exactly. It's like, it's like stand up like, all the way down. It's like, you know, it's like the, 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 um, the kings of comedy, yeah. <laughs> the kings of kill green. They're killing, they're killing <laughs> it. It's even, it's even more like exactly. comedy. Oh my um, God. But it, it mostly <laughs> happens in high mountain uh, mm. oolong makers mm -hmm. because uh, when they can do tea in different elevations mm. because let's say in in winter the mm. 
the higher elevation will harvest first mm. and the lower elevation will harvest later mm. so you can time out like so they're basically just kind of going down a mountain very slowly yeah so yeah. like in in spring it's going up and then in uh like in terms of elevations yeah. and then in winter it's going down so this is, so but it's, it sounds exhausting it sounds like it'd yeah, be it's, very it's like, a very tiring. exhausting job and so. it's very seasonal yeah. because so you work for well four seasons yeah. a year and it's very labor intensive yeah so again if people are like oh the tea is really expensive it's like there mm -hmm. there is a reason why the tea is expensive mm -hmm. um you know it's not just like somebody made it up and like oh they don't know any better like the, especially the in the western market people forget we have to compete with the taiwanese market for these teas we don't get to choose the price of the teas the taiwanese market or when i'm in china like there's a puar market I don't get to just choose what I want to pay for the raw puar. Mm. Like we have to actually compete against the, you know, the people who love collecting puar. And so a lot of times my choices about what tea I get is I'll look for what's popular in a certain area mm. and then I'll avoid it. Because mm. <laughs> I'm like, it's not that it's bad. It's because it's hard to get. It's hard to get like, you know, there is some like if you want bingdao puar, it's really expensive. But if you go a couple kilometers over, it will be different tea. It's not the same tea. Mm -hmm. It's not like Lao Bingdao, but it's really good. Right. And for Americans or, or for Europeans that have never had Puar before, I would rather be able to give them more or more different types of mm -hmm. a tea like that mm -hmm. than be like, I'm going to give you 10 grams of Lao Banjang and like, mm -hmm. what does that really do for you? It, yeah. doesn't, it doesn't help you on your tea journey mm -hmm. to have like one blast of this really amazing tea. Although I will say I was at Lao Banjang last, last summer. It was really good. Mm -hmm. And we do have a Lao Banjang white tea coming out. Um, but the, oh, I don't know if I'm supposed to say that. It's just a secret. It's coming out in the future, vague future. Maybe, I don't know. Um, but um, it, it, is, it is always a little bit of that balance to figure out how to do it. So, so okay, so let's continue on the process. So you've, um, you've reached the roasting stage. It's getting back to the roasting process all the way through. You've had the fire running now. Now let's say the fire is smoothed out a bit mm -hmm. and it's a couple, a couple days into the roast. How long does it take to smooth out the fire? Uh, like you can use the fire for about two weeks, mm -hmm. but depending on how you use it. Mm. And like uh, for my grand uncle, he roasts tea slowly. He mm. liked the, I would usually say like the yin and yang. Mm -hmm. Like yin is like slower yeah. or like more like mm, slowing and the yang will be like very, you will feel the fire. Yeah. It, the fragrance might be higher, but I think the, the yin part of um, like the ink style of uh, chocolate roasting, mm. um, the, the texture is smoother. Mm. So he, so he'll keep it on the fire for how long? You mean how long the How fire? long is a roast? Like if you have the tea on top of the fire, oh, it's right. on this big like sieve, Okay, so basically. if you're in the pro process, yeah, of, in the process roasting. of roasting, so like? depending on what kind of roast you're going for and also what temperature you're at. So in order to uh, roast this one, the temperature can be very high, as high as, well, around like 130 degree or even mm -hmm. more sometimes. And um, when temperature is this high, you have to flip the tea around 18 minutes, 20 minutes. So what do you mean flip the tea? Oh, so you have to, so all the tea will be in a bamboo basket. Mm -hmm. And then there is also wired. So the wire gets very hot. Mm. And so if you don't like pour it out and then 
like pouring in again. So the bottom tea will be burnt mm. and the top it's not that roasted. So just make sure it's even. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you'll be so you'll take the tea out and you showed me you take the tea and you like flip it onto another like a like a big dish basically, <laughs> but a big dish. Yeah. Um, and then that allows the tea to kind of even out and then the next time you put it back and then you rest it or how long so let's say you take the tea off, you put it into the big dish and then do you how long do you leave you it? You usually there? put it back onto the fire mm -hmm. because it's very important not to have um, inconsistent, you shouldn't have a crazy curve when okay. you're roasting tea. So you want to get that tea right back onto the fire. Yeah. And so when you rest the tea, it'll be at the end of the whole day of roasting. It will be the tea. end of this eight hour period mm. of roasting and mm. you will let it rest for a couple of few days mm. until you roast it again. Wow. And so then the, uh, the, um, so the roasting process is then complete and then what do you, and then you have then the number of it, it, like when we say this is a two or this is a five, that's how many days of this cycle it has gone through. Mm -hmm. So then, so we have uh, on the box, we have a two and we have a five. Is exactly. That right? So yeah, so the five is the roastiest you make. Yeah. <laughs> that's what we're drinking right now. So it's, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's a great experience. I think this is the thing that's kind of fun for me about tea is you don't need to love every tea to the extent you're going to drink it every day. Although obviously we kind of hope you guys will be drinking tea every day. But um, just experiencing the different teas is already kind of fun. And mm -hmm. it's because tea is something you can make for multiple people. Like how many steeps do you think you can get out of this, this, this uh, heavy roast? A really, really heavy roast. So mm. you can start the temperature low and then build it up. So you can, I would say up to 15, 20. Big, so like. It really, dip, like it's hard to tell you exactly how many brews because your definition of when this tea is done. Yeah, and it depends the same, on right? the size of the vessel and mm -hmm. the water temperature. Exactly, but, and how but, you brew it. I but, think more than 10 is no problem. But I remember I had a I had a small amount of a 30 year age white tea that I got from a friend of mine in Beijing. And I went to the World Tea Expo in uh, Las Vegas. And after the expo, we had just a meet up with a bunch of tea friends um, at a friend's tea house and I broke out the 30 year white tea. Mm. And it was expensive. I think I like put it out, it was something like $20 US worth of tea that wound up being in that one guy one. Mm. Um, but on the other hand, I was like, I just got to have tea with eight people. <laughs> and it was a really, it was a really kind of like, it was an event, you know, $20 to have an event for eight people mm. is not that bad. <laughs> exactly. I think tea culture, especially in Taiwan, a lot of people think that tea culture is very strict. You have to stick mm. straight. You have to be so formal, like how you, you should do it, like, you know, very precisely. But tea is in the culture in Taiwan and mm. tea is our everyday life. Mm. It's a way of how we interact with each other. You come, you drink tea with friends, with family. There's these Kung Fu brewing style. It's small portions, so there's mm. always motions on the table. That's so you great. won't feel awkward even if you're not talking. That's great. Well, that, that's a great place for us to get go, get ready to end. Before we end though, we have a couple of things that I want to talk about. One is just to have uh, a little bit of a lightning round where I'll say something and give me a very short response to it. <laughs> The first one is just going to be to describe the four teas that are in the box. Okay. Um, so the first is how would you describe the Ali Shanjing Xuan? Mm, I would say it's very crispy and it's very gentle, very soft, got a very like pleasant aftertaste. Nice. How would you describe the two out of five roast we had in the first half? Ah, it's like a nice entry to charcoal roasted tea because mm. it's not 
it's not the heaviest, so it would it would be nice to try this one first mm. and then go deeper. Mm, very cool. How is the red oolong? We went this whole time, we didn't even talk about the red oolong, which is a very unusual new style. Maybe you'll have to come on the podcast again sometime, but um, how, how would you describe the red oolong? The red oolong that we have in the box is citrus. Mm. Um, it's very sweet. It's coming from the roasting itself, which is really nice coming from the tea maker. Mm. And brown sugar, mm. just something really sweet. Because yeah. when you open the lid, even the guy wanted to warm up, you can feel the mm. fragrance wanting to just come out. It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one I'm, I think a lot of people is going to become their everyday tea. Mm -hmm. It's like a very easy to drink everyday tea. And then how would you describe the five out of five heavy roast that we just had Oof, it's it's like a nice uh to convert coffee people into tea so mm. if you have coffee coffee friends great. this is a great tea to convert them into tea people fantastic really really great so another couple quick um uh just a lightning round responses personal preference gaiwan <laughs> or teapot oh gaiwan gaiwan okay uh personal preference um uh, like light oxidized oolong or heavy oxidized oolong? Heavy. Heavy. Like, yeah, that was quick. <laughs> we're roasters, yeah, we're so roasters. like, and it's also more traditional. Yeah, very cool. Um, uh, light, uh, would you rather have the uh, Dongding or Qi Lai Shan? Oof, hot take. <laughs> Those are they, still they have, my family, you know? Both, like, both depending on the day, they're yeah, all good. Take us all the help. Very good. And, um, I would just say, what is something that you would like to say to people that have maybe never even tried oolong tea uh, that, about what they should be looking for if they were to try some of the teas in the box? I think just come with an open mind and uh, just take it as you're exploring a new area and the culture and Taiwanese oolong is very interesting with all the tasting notes that you can have fruity, floral, and even honey notes, and all of these are natural. So what's very special about these high quality artisanal tea is that all the flavor you will taste, they are all natural, yeah. and that's the amazing part. Don't need to add any sugar, and goodness knows, because I get enough added sugar in other parts of my life. I'm like, this is <laughs> the healthiest part about the tea for me is I'm not drinking junk. <laughs> so if I can drink tea all day, I'm not drinking junk all day, which is good. So uh, thank you again so much for being on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. This was a, a very pleasant surprise for me. I really arrived in Taiwan having no idea what I would be doing with this mystery box. That's why it was a mystery. It was even more of a mystery for me than it was for you. And um, in, in meeting with a lot of tea farmers and tea suppliers, I really just got the feeling like you understood what we were trying to do better than everybody else. Maybe that was because you had been, you know, trying to uh, express tea in the West before, but I think also to some of its personality, you're willing to try something a little different, which mm -hmm. is which is really cool. And uh, so when you guys get those teas in the box, if you pre-order it or whether you're watching this later and you can just get one, um, a lot of this is thanks to Jamie and then her work on uh, helping pick out the teas and also in fighting the packaging companies to package it, <laughs> having a full-on war with the packaging companies who did not want to pack little bags. But like, but that being able to do that means that we get to have you guys try some without having to put down huge amounts of money on each tea. And that's, I think, in, that's the way I want to do tea for people uh, in, in my community. Mm -hmm. And so I'm glad that uh, you were able to help out with that because it's not easy. So thank you again. Um, if you have not followed already, follow the channel. If you have not subscribed, subscribe to the channel. Also, um, if you're watching on video, don't forget that we have a full 
um, hour-long version of this that is on the uh, audio podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. If you're like, wow, this was an interesting conversation, I wanna hear more. Um, there's even more that are in the video highlights. And um, I just really hope we can get to the point where we have this great platform to be able to share all sorts of great DET people. And if, um, if you guys really support me, I may actually be able to come back to Taiwan again, <laughs> which would be a lot of fun. More so. tea content. So thank you again, all the stuff, all the teas, tea equipment, tea stuff, it's all on the website, jessesteahouse.com. And um, I can't wait to be getting some of these teas into your guys' mouths. That sounded weird. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna stop, I'm gonna leave. <laughs>